All American Boys, Sunday, Rashad. Sunday. I slept late and woke up to an empty room. Silence. No one. So nice. Sunday TV is just as bad as Saturday TV, so I left it off and laid there in the cold space staring at the wall, thinking about everything. I was supposed to have been at Jill's party on Friday. Me, English, Shannon, and Carlos. Three-piece and fries. I was supposed to be all up on Tiffany Watts, giving her the business because even though I was soldier boy when I was in school, everybody knew I was nice with the moves. Rhythm ain't never been an issue for me. I was the kid Spoonie made dance in front of his friends when we were younger. Showed them the latest steps that I picked up from music videos. I owned the block party dance contests. So Jill's party, like every party, was my time to two-step without it being a march. My time to be at ease and let the soul seep back into this soldier. Damn shame I didn't make it. Instead, some big-ass cop decided to have a fist party on my face. You know, normal stuff. No biggie. I'm just a punk-ass kid. I have no rights. Just got body slammed for no reason. Just got my life threatened while lying flat on the sidewalk. A broken nose, broken ribs, and a knee in the back is way more exciting than fine-ass girls checking for me after they finish checking for English. Fuck. Knock, knock. The door opened, and there was Clarissa, pushing my lunch cart in. Good afternoon, Rashad, she said. She had one of those voices that no matter what was nice, like it could never sound mean. You know how some people have those voices, like kindergarten teachers or librarians? How we feeling? she asked, and I was momentarily confused by the we she was referring to. I'm fine, I said, forcing a small smile. Good. Make sure you try to get yourself up today. You can't just lie there on your back. Also, I need you to blow into this as hard as you can. She held up a strange-looking plastic thing with the hose sticking out of it. What is it? It's called an incentive spirometer. Because of your ribs, you're going to do everything you can to not cough, but you need to cough. You gotta make sure you're getting all the nasty stuff out of your lungs because if it all stays in, it might turn into pneumonia and we don't want that. Then she broke it all down to me as if I was a child, which I appreciated because I had never heard of a spirometer before. Luckily, it was a simpler process than the name suggests. All I had to do a few times every hour was breathe in through the tube slowly, hold it, and then breathe out. As she set the spirometer on the side table by my bed, she announced, For lunch today, we've got chicken tenders and fries and a small salad, while setting the tray down. Then she went through the routine of checking my vitals, blood pressure, and whatever else. Whoever really knows what all those machines and stuff are, anyway. I just know the one they put on my arm is for my blood pressure, but who, besides old people, even knows what blood pressure is? Just make sure I ain't dying, was what I was thinking as the cuff tightened around my arm. Once she did, I got myself up, which was way more painful than I thought it would be. Who the hell knew broken ribs could make everything hurt? Or maybe it was that everything I did made the broken ribs hurt. Seemed like even blinking was painful. I waddled slowly to the bathroom so I could handle my business, the post-sleep pee, which was interrupted by another knock at the door. This time it was my family, of course. Rashad? My mother called through a crack in the door before pushing it open. I had just flushed and washed my hands while performing the strange task of looking at my bruised and broken face, but only in glimpses. That's all I could take. A few seconds at a time. Three seconds, then back to the sink. Then back to the mirror for three more seconds before darting my eyes over to the paper towels. Anything longer than that made me uncomfortable. Anyway, I was making my way back to the bed when my mother and father came in dressed in their Sunday spiffs. Behind them, even more Sunday as in Sunday himself, as in Jerome Johnson, as in Pastor Jerome Johnson. Son, pastor's here to see you, my father said as I eased back into bed, flashing my ashy butt at everybody, including God. 
They brought the pastor? I sort of fell quickly onto the mattress and whipped my legs around until they were on the bed. Pathetic. My mother helped me adjust, fluffing the pillow behind my head and putting the sheet over me, up to my chin, which was way too far. She kissed my forehead and stared at me as if she was trying to recognize the kid beneath the bruises and bandages. You okay? I'm fine, I said, short. She nodded, then glanced at the food tray. She lifted the plate cover, the condensation dripping all over my chicken tenders. Damn, soggy chicken tenders suck. You haven't eaten? It just got here. I just woke up, I said in a take-it-easy tone. She kissed my forehead again, then leaned back so I could get a clear shot of my father, three-piece suited and shiny-shoed. And the minister, Pastor Johnson, dressed in an oversized suit, a gold chain with a gold cross lying perfectly in the middle of his fat satin tie. In his hand, the Bible. What else? How you feeling, Rashad? The pastor asked. Everybody was asking that, as if I was ever going to tell them the truth. Nobody wanted to hear the truth, even though everybody already knew what it was. I felt violated. That's the only way I can put it. Straight up violated. And now, to make it worse, I had to have church. Well, sort of church. I had to have prayer. Now don't get me wrong, I don't have a problem with a good prayer. I mean, I believe in God. At least I think I do. I just wondered where God was when I was being mopped by that cop. And I knew that's what the pastor had come to tell me. That God was there. That God was always there. Which to me is the wrong thing to say. Because if he or it or whatever was there and didn't do nothing, then that would make God my enemy. Because he let it happen. I would much rather Pastor Johnson say that God wasn't there. That he was busy that he turned his back just for a second to check on somebody else, and that asshole officer snuck right by him and got me. But nope. Son, I just stopped by to tell you that God is with you. He's always with you, the pastor started predictably, and everything happens for a reason. Reason? This felt like a good time for me to grab my spirometer because I was in need of a deep breath. I mean, seriously, what reason could there have been for this? Let me guess. I was too good-looking and needed an extra bump on my nose, a reminder that only English Jones runs the school. Now we're going to offer up a prayer for your hailing, son, believing that God's gone mend you, the pastor said. Let's all bow our heads and look to the Lord. My mother and father lowered their heads and closed their eyes. I didn't do either. Kept mine open and my head up, looking at the three of them, wondering if any of this mattered. I knew it mattered to them, my parents, and maybe that should have been enough for me to participate. But did it matter to me? I'm not so sure. The prayer was long and dramatic, full of the preachy punches in between each point. The pastor mentioned how Jesus was persecuted, and Saul was made blind, and Job was tested, and David beat Goliath. My mother followed right behind the pastor, accompanying his rhythmic prayer with hallelujah whispers, and my father's manly but, I guess, godly grunts, all eventually, finally, leading to an amen. Amen. Spoonie stood in the doorway, nodding his head and clapping his hands, a sarcastic look on his face. Man, was I happy to see him. Ma was, too. Dad? Well, not so much. Pastor, you remember my oldest son, Randolph? he said, caught off guard. Yes, yes, of course I do. The pastor reached out and shook Spoonie's hand. Ain't seen you down at the church in a while. That's because I can't afford to come. Spoonie, my mother gasped. Sorry, he said, shrugging and smirking at me. No, no, that's okay, Pastor Johnson said kindly. Nothing wrong with the boy having a mind of his own. God gave him that. Spoonie just looked at Dad like, see? Well, listen, I better be going. 
But we're going to keep you lifted up in prayer, Rashad. And we're going to add you to the blessing list for the sick and shut in. But I'm not sick or shut in. I'm beat down. Is there a list for that? But I didn't say that. I was hoping Spoonie would do some kind of Big Brother ESP and say it for me. Thank you so much for coming, Pastor, my mother said, clenching Pastor Johnson's hand. My dad gave him a firm shake and a tight-lipped nod, and the churchman headed out. Five seconds couldn't have gone by before Spoonie sat gingerly on the side of the bed and grabbed the remote. Come on, man, it's Sunday. Ain't nothing on but reruns of what we just experienced, I joked. Oh, there's something else on, trust me, Spoonie said pointedly. You know, you don't always have to be so damn disrespectful. Dad started in on Spoonie with a bark, settling into a chair on the other side of the room, cursing right after the pastor left. Tisk tisk tisk. Spoonie ignored him and turned the TV on. He nodded up to the screen. Check it out. I looked up at the glowing screen, and there it was. There I was. On the freaking news. Again, this is footage that was taken from a smartphone Friday night of a police officer shoving a young man through the door of Jerry's Corner Mart on 4th Street. As you can see, the officer already has the young man subdued. He doesn't seem to be resisting, but is still slammed to the ground, where the officer proceeds with what looks to be unnecessary force. Jerry's has experienced a string of robberies, but as of now, we are uncertain as to whether or not this was another one of those cases. We attempted to contact Jerry's management for a comment, but to no avail. The Springfield PD has also declined making a statement at this time. What we do know is that the young man in this video is 16-year-old Rashad Butler of West Springfield. We'll keep you updated as we learn more. My mother's mouth gaped. What? I mean, how? Spoonie, how'd they get my name? I stared at the TV in disbelief. I told you, little bruh. There are always witnesses. Barry kept checking online all night. YouTube, Facebook, everything. And eventually the video surfaced. So we sent it to the news. Told them who you were. At this, my dad lost it. I mean, seriously, have you lost your damn mind? Are them things on your head affecting your thinking? Rashad doesn't need this kind of attention, Spoonie. He doesn't need all this craziness. None of us do. Spoonie jumped to his feet. You think me sending it to the news is crazy? The crazy part's what happened to Shad. What's happening all over this country? You of all people should know that. My father glared at Spoonie, and I mean he held it there, as if there was, in fact, some kind of father-son ESP thing. And he was beaming the cuss out of the century straight to my brother's brain. Then, like he always did, Dad stormed out of the room, followed by Spoonie throwing words at his back. Yeah, run away as usual. Spoonie! Ma shouted. My throat dried, my stomach boiled. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I mean, it was me, but it wasn't. But it was. I didn't know how or what to feel, like, how could I be that boy, a victim, me? It was just, I don't know, surreal. But we kept watching as the story looped. Sunday, aside from being a whack TV show day, is also apparently a slow news day. Every few minutes, the footage of me being crushed under the weight of the cop played. The news person talking about the string of robberies and not being able to get a comment from Jerry's management or the police department. Then a picture of me dressed in my ROTC uniform flashed across the screen. I glared at Spoonie. Where'd they get that? I asked, already knowing the answer. Man, listen, I had to make sure we controlled as much of the narrative as possible. If I ain't send that photo in, they would have dug all through the internet for some picture of you looking crazy, Spoonie said. Trust me, man, I've seen it time and time again. I was pissed about the photo, and to be honest, a little embarrassed by it, but I knew Spoonie had a point. I would have hated for them to put up some picture of me hanging with Carlos, posing with my middle fingers up, even though, well... 
Never mind. The story played over and over and over again, like watching a movie in virtual reality where it doesn't really seem like you, like it's real. But you can feel every blow, every break. You can taste blood. You can smell the officer's breath. And that was hard for me, to see myself like that. They kept saying it was a developing story, as more unfolds, as we learn more. Cut it off, I finally said. We need to keep up with how it develops, Spoonie said. Cut it off, Spoon. I reached for the remote again and was instantly reminded that my ribs were broken. Ark! My mother lifted off her seat, ready to spring into mommy mode. Spoonie quickly handed me the clicker. Okay, okay, he said apologetically. Take it easy. My bad, man. It's just... I'm fine, I said hard, shooting down whatever reason he was about to deliver. I turned the TV off. I just don't want to watch it no more. The truth is, I wasn't mad at Spoonie. I wasn't. As a matter of fact, he did exactly what I expected him to do. I just didn't want to keep watching it. My mother, trying to cut the tension, began digging in her church bag, which was way bigger than her normal bag. The church bag had to be big enough to fit her Sunday service survival kit, her Bible, some candy, and all the sins of our family. Oh, Rashad, I forgot. I brought the stuff you asked for. The stuff I asked for was my phone and phone charger. My mother was given the duffel bag with my ROTC uniform and phone after I and it were released into her custody. But more importantly, I wanted my art supplies, sketchbook and pencils. That's all I really needed. That was my hospital survival kit. She plugged my phone in the wall and put the sketchbook and pencils on the roller tray table next to the chicken tenders I now wasn't going to be eating. And as soon as my phone had enough juice to power on, the damn dog started barking, non-stop. Let me explain. Me and Carlos had this stupid joke that whenever we were going to a party, we would set our text message alerts to a crazy sound effect. Not for any real reason. I mean, originally, it was so we'd always know where each other was or be able to find a phone if any of us lost one. But at a party, who would be able to hear it over the music? See? Stupid. But we kept doing it because it was our thing, a tradition, like good luck or something. This week, Carlos picked a dog bark because he thought it would be funny or dare I say, cool, to tell a girl there was something in his pants barking. I mean, it was kind of funny, but also so whack. Then he challenged me and said that he could get a girl with that bark line before I could. Truth is, I wasn't even going to try, but I played along and changed my alert anyway, and now that my phone had enough battery to turn on, the dog was barking crazy. Hand me that, I said to Spoonie, who was frowning at all the stupid noise. I checked my messages. Friday, 4.43 p.m. from Spoonie. Shad, you still coming to get money? Friday, 5.13 p.m. from Spoonie. Question mark, question mark, question mark. WTF? Friday, 5.21 p.m. from Los. Yo, be at my crib by 7. 5.22 p.m. from Los. And watch how many girls I get with that dog joke. 5.23 p.m. from Los. You know girls love dogs, dude. 5.35 from Los. Where you at? 5.51 p.m. from Spoonie. Where you at? Friday, 6.05 p.m. from Ma. Hey, Spoonie and Carlos called here looking for you. I called, but it keeps going to voicemail. Call me. Friday, 7 p.m. from Los. Dude, you're killing me. Where the fuck are you? 8.47 p.m. from Los. I don't know where you are, but I'm out. If you caught a ride with somebody else, you could have told me, bro. Damn, unless you with a girl, then I understand. But I know you not. I'll catch you at the party. Bring your best game. Friday, 10.03 p.m. from English. Shad, you here? Me, Shan, and Los looking for you. Los tripping. LMAO. Saturday, 1.01 p.m. from Los. Where were you? 
Of course it got shut down. Shit was bananas. Saturday, 4.26 p.m. from Shan. Yo, Los is tired of texting you, so now I'm texting you. You good? Saturday, 4.41 p.m. from Shan. Where are you? Saturday, 4.49 p.m. from Los. English just told me Barry said you in the hospital. Saturday, 4.51 p.m. from English. You in the hospital? WTF? Saturday, 4.52 p.m. from Shan. Yo, you in the hospital, bro? English said some shit about the cops? Sunday, 12.11 p.m. from Los. Yo, you on the news? Crazy. Crazy indeed. I scrolled through, reading them all before sending quick responses to the three of them, Shannon, Carlos, and English, letting them know that I was okay. Well, I said a little more than that. Sunday, 12.17 p.m. to Los, Shan, English. I'm good, fellas. Got accused of stealing from Jerry's and the cop on duty roughed me up. Broke my nose and some ribs, but I'm okay. I see he got his lifeline back, Dad grumbled, coming back into the room, looking calmer than when he'd left. Yeah, so he should be back to normal in no time, Ma said, trying to be positive. I don't know about that, Spoonie muttered. Thankfully, my father didn't hear him, because I wasn't sure I could take another blow-up. So I turned the TV back on quick. A risk, I know, but I had to do something as it looked like my folks were settling in for the afternoon. And guess what saved the day? Football. Ah, football, Spoonie said, another one of America's favorite pastimes. Besides baseball and beating the brains out of... Chill, I ordered. Honestly, I just wanted to take it easy for the rest of the day. I didn't want to hear Spoonie preach about how hard it is to be black, or my father preach about how young people lack pride and integrity, making us easy targets. I didn't even want to think about the preacher preaching about how God is in control of it all, or my mother, my sweet, sweet mother, caught in the middle of it all. The referee who blows the whistle but is way too nice to call foul on anyone. That's her. She just wants me to be okay. That's it, and that's all. So if football was going to be the thing that took our minds off the mess for at least a few hours, then fine with me. Let's cheer and scream and cuss at the TV, not at each other. When the game was over, my family left. And at that moment, I thanked the God I hoped was there. Back to an empty, peaceful room. Just me and my spirometer, which, by the way, was also pretty painful to use. I mean, to inhale slowly felt like sucking in shards of glass. Yeah, not awesome. After the game, the news came on. The first story was about a kid accused of stealing from a store on the west side. The footage of me being thrown to the ground. Again. 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 My picture. My name. Again. And now a new development. The officer's name. Officer Paul Galuzzo. And his face on the screen.